Welcome to this episode of Turdy for Turdy. Make sure you let us know how we're doing. You can either email us at tftpod2018 at thegmail.com. Oh, shit, I did it again. Don't type in the. And then uh, you can hit us up on the Twitter. I mean, Twitter at turdy for turdy. Let's get this party started. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Turdy for Turdy. Um, Maher, you know we're not very good at doing podcasts because I don't think there's ever been one episode where we told people to go onto iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review, which is one of the ways that we get actually get found by other people. See, but I feel like that's an implied thing. Like, I shouldn't say like, hey, make sure you know you breathe because people know I to mean, freaking do that. Don't forget to well, blink. Well, I'm telling dude. them, telling the people now, subscribe and review. Even if you give us, well, don't give us a one star. I'm sorry. Let me not put that up there. Never mind. Uh, anyway, we're doing something new for today. Yeah, good reviews. Good reviews only. only. If you have to. just like, just like mother used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, go so jump. So we're a doing cliff. something uh, different today. Actually, we we have a guest for this one. Uh, it's uh, our friend Tyler's here, and he's going to be joining us for for this episode. Let's see see what story we got for him. He wanted to come check it out. So what's going on, Tyler? Not much, guys. Thanks for having me. Pretty excited. I feel like friend's a strong word. What about, like, heavy acquaintance? Does that work? <laughs> Semi- semi-serious Somewhat acquaintance. Somewhat long-time, well-known acquaintance. I, I mean, honestly, we just play Xbox every night together, so legitimately, like, it's instead of us pretending to be little girls and stay on the phone yeah, chat, we and basically kind of stay in touch. That's this how, is basically that's our Xbox I, yeah. party moved on to the podcast now. You know, there's something more manly about, you know, sitting in a party, like, talking to people for five hours at a time through a headset than picking up a cell phone. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, you can, like, picture myself laying in my bed, like, twirling the phone cord with my feet up, you know? That's, that's, you don't want to like, seem like that. You want to be more, more tough guy, so you got to be on a headset playing Call of Duty. I'm a god. When I was, I'm uh, a god, when I was Andy. in uh, eighth grade, my mom and dad wouldn't let me have a cell phone yet. They wanted me to be, like, stuck in the past. And I had this girl that I was talking to, and I used to sit and talk to her for like two hours at a time on the landline. And my mom just recently admitted to me, Damn. like a couple of years ago, that she used to pick up the phone and listen into her conversations. Oh no, I wouldn't. Yeah, my no, uh, it was awful. My, my I mean, I don't care do now, of course, thing. but I was like, I was, I was actually kind of mad about it for a half second. I mean, like, I wouldn't even want to do it on her end. Like, God only knows, especially these days, what kids talk about. Like, yeah, all for real shit that you would hear. Like, oh my God, you would just traumatize You're yourself. Just Thirty seconds on the phone, and you'd like, be hey, lying on the floor in the want... fetal position, crying, <laughs> just, just rocking back and what forth the... when your thirteen-year-old like, hey, son gonna... is talking about we getting gonna... herpes from eating What's girls' extra? asses out. Am I extra? Yeah, who's extra? <laughs> Oh, soaking's extra. <laughs> Let's do that so, later. <laughs> uh, today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the NFL draft. It's coming up pretty soon. It's a huge, huge deal. And we're going to talk about 
how it actually got to the level of popularity as it is today. So if you wanted to come in and hear us talk about a mock draft or Kyler Murray or that baby Bosa guy, any of that stuff, that's not what this is about. This is going to be the history of the NFL draft. When you asked me if what I knew about the draft, I thought we were going to be talking about, you know, the Vietnam actually draft. funny story. I didn't, I didn't put this in here because it was just like a quick little blurb, but uh, when whenever the NFL draft was going on during an actual Army draft, they changed the name to something like the NFL like rookie player selection or something. So they actually took the draft out of it. <laughs> That's interesting. Wouldn't, to, that. wouldn't that be great if you played on like a D three college school and you got a letter that said you've been drafted and you're like, yes, I'm going to the NFL. That's like by the U.S. Army. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. So uh, today's episode starts in 1935, so we're going way back. The uh, top song of that year was uh, Cheat to Cheat by Fred Astaire, and the best picture was It Happened One Night. Um, Is that just a like a statement, that or is that a name of a movie? I was kind of sad that uh, Mr. Backer, what was that thing, Mr. Bicker Alk or whatever, didn't show back up in here. Acker Bilk. Yeah, that's it. Acker Bilk. So uh, prior to the 1936 season, college players uh, got to pick whatever team they wanted to go to. So they would either choose teams that were winning a bunch, obviously. They would pick teams that were close to home already. They would just basically pick teams... In a way that was convenient to them. So if you were a good quarterback, you're not going to pick a team that already has a, a good quarterback. You're going to go somewhere where you can play. And since the money wasn't as good back then, you did have to like think about the geography of it. Because if you lived in California, you're not going to want to move to New York to play. That's going to be expensive. So regions and uh, regions, playing time and money played a big part in where they went to go. Um, so... That was a problem for smaller market teams. Obviously, the teams that weren't like the Giants or the Redskins were really big at that time. Teams like the Philadelphia Eagles that hadn't had success and weren't really popular, they had a hard time getting getting good players to come to their team. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Philadelphia? You know, you can get batteries thrown at you. Watch um, people eat horse you know, shit off the street. All the benefits. Yeah, my thing, about, my thing that I was thinking about in, with Philadelphia is they always say how bad the fan base was. Well, in 1935, it couldn't have been that bad yet. So I wonder if they just pulled out the old, like, gentlemen's, uh, like, gentlemen's hissing or booing. They're like, spoo, spoo. They're like, how dare you? <laughs> shun. I shun, shun you, sir. Shun you out of this field. Uh, so. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe they were just like the. The, the same kind of trashy, but yeah, but relative exactly. To the they, times, they had to you know? they had to evolve. Yeah. Uh, so the <laughs> devolve. They weren't the Eagles. That they were the Crows, right? Yes, they that's exactly it. The, they were the, the Baltimore Eagles. Ravens before the Ravens, as the Crows. Aha. Uh-huh. So the first draft was. Uh, it was actually not thought of uh, by like the commissioner of the NFL or somebody in the league office. It actually was the Philadelphia Eagles owner, Burt Bell's idea. He, was, uh, he had gotten frustrated over the years of getting whipped up on by the Giants and Redskins, who would basically win the division uh, back and forth every year, and he felt like his team wasn't getting a fair shake. 
So without some type of draft or some way to balance the playing field, he thought that his team would never be able to like reach a championship level and he would just kind of be stuck in the stuck in the cellar forever. <clears throat> so to tilt what kind of not cellar, a wine though? cellar, that's you know, too nice. More like a like a sex dungeon. Boom! Maybe farm. more like a sex dungeon with a gimp. I just can't imagine like just whip the eagles and they would they'd be stuck there. This, that just seems like a really hard sell. Like a hard sell, though. Like you know, you're a trash team, in a trash, you know, small market uh, region, and everyone else is kicking ass and taking names. And you go be like, "Hey guys, just, just quick input here. It'd be really cool if maybe you guys shared all your players." Like I don't, I can't imagine that first. Yeah, I thought about that too, and it had to have been owners. that there was enough of the teams that felt the same. But if you're like the Giants or the Redskins, who like I said, were the prominent teams at the time, you'd have to just be like, nah, I don't want that. Why would I want that? <laughs> no, that's crazy talk, sir. I don't you get want out of here. With, you get out of here with your I'll witchcraft. Keep, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay. to tilt the playing, uh, the playing field a little bit, he proposed this all that all rookies from college would be entered to a draft pool and teams would select uh, the players from worst to first order. So basically the way it is now. And that order would remain the same for each okay. round. So I don't know if they talked about maybe doing like a snake or something like that. I don't know if they had even thought about that in the time, but they decided it would be worst to first every single round. Did they specifically say worst Correct. to first? Yeah, worst like, to first. That is pretty catchy, to be honest. It, I like, it I like that. It's, it has a ring so, to it. Once players were selected, the teams had the exclusive negotiation rights with that player, and the rookie could either sign the deal, they could hold out, and see if they could get more money. It's, it was a little different from how it is now in the fact that they could literally just quit and maybe get a chance later on to be signed by another team. And they... Well, they weren't making any money back then, so, I mean, like, really, like, just go get a job at the paper mill or something. Exactly. Or the steel mill, and then, All like, come back the next the year. Exactly what well, they would do, and weekends. then they could re-enter the draft the next year. Like, if that deal wasn't struck and they went and worked at the farm for a year, they could come back the next year and try to get drafted again. So is wow. that what started the farm yeah. league system? <laughs> but I'm just... Sure, the strawberry oh, field. Oh, man. Um, so Bell's proposal actually passed unanimously, which shocked me too. Yeah. What? So in order to get ready for this draft that they were going to have, they ranked their players on a big board. It was even called that back then too, like it is today. And names were submitted based on repu reputation and recommendation by college coaches and by uh, the NFL coaches. So every time a player was suggested, he was just uh, written up on the big board and made available to the whole league. Think about that for a second, because I've thought long and hard about this since I, I wrote this. And that means that let's say you're the Bears and there's a guy at the University of Illinois that you've watched play and you know he's good, but nobody else really knows about him. When it comes time to get ready for the draft, you would have to bring his name up. You'd be like, yeah, can you ride old Johnny Smith down there on the board for us? Which means that if you say that and you seem too excited about it, every other team's going to know that you have information that they don't. So then it's like you might not even get the person you wrote up there because you just hinted to everyone that this is a good player. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 a, that's a really interesting dynamic. Because like today, I, the draft is so transparent. Like 
recruiting is so transparent. You can know anything about any player you want just as like a normal Joe. You don't even have to be a coach. You can watch tape. You know, it's always on YouTube exactly. or something for these top tier guys. So then back then they're like having to kind of bluff their way in. Like, yeah, he's all right, I guess. I'll just put him up <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, this guy but, you know. sucks actually, but can you add him just in case if I get a little, want to get a little frisky in the 31st round? Yeah. So you, you can't, uh, you had to put their name down on the list in order to be able to draft them. So, yeah. So anyway, they, they had to do it that way because if they, if they just made, if each of them just made their own like list to draft, you would, there would be no point for the draft because you would just be bringing in the players that were in your region. So it would be the same problem they have now in order to actually do the draft. They had to have a way that it was fair to everybody. And I think that's why they did it the way they did, even though it is kind of dumb because you show your hand every time you add a name up there. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So, and uh, needless to say that some of the, the unpredictability that you see in the draft today doesn't really didn't really exist back then. You wouldn't have any moments like Baker Mayfield being drafted first last year where Cleveland kept that a secret the whole time and then just did it when the day of the draft. It really wasn't that secret. It seemed like he was going to go pretty high regardless. Well, yeah, but remember, they everybody thought they were going to go with Darnold. Darnold looks like he got kicked in the face and it never like got fixed. Like a lot he's kind of got a he's like got a like lot. a Frankenstein thing going on. It's yeah. kind of weird. He's got like the like the a cartoon character's nose, like uh, the clone of Professor Farnsworth from Futurama. Like it's not a realistic looking nose. <laughs> it looks like he, he slept. That's a good it looks reference. like he Woo! slept on like just face down on a piece of like or on a tile floor for the first five years of his life, and he, now he walks around looking like a <laughs> mongoloid, but like he's technically not. Too bad uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie's not on that team anymore, and so he can't forget his name because he has to remember all his kids' names, so he can't just be like, hey, smush face. <laughs> Have you guys ever done a, uh, a podcast on or that was the, Antonio Cromartie. the Cleveland Browns just as a whole? We did one on the the dog pound, like just the the fan group, the dog pound, but not not on a whole. Oh man, yeah, franchise. count me well, on that one. That is that is a fantastic organization to just kind of like come up with stats and show people just how incompetent an organization could possibly be. It would actually the fun part about that would be to compare how they had all the success in the '60s and the '80s to yep. everything after they came back in '99. That'd oh, be, if that'd be you an absolute train wreck. If you really want to learn about a team failing as on a whole. You should listen to our Dan Snyder series. Oh yeah, two two episodes, two hours of my heart breaking. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, you brought <laughs> up the Redskins. I, 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 I gotta laugh every time because, like, you know, we for everyone listening, like, we every year, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. You know, Andrew's a Redskins fan, so we just get our souls crushed year after year. So it's it's a yeah, shame. it's to the point now where we're not even rivals. Like we feel no. for each other. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> it's like, like the Cowboys oh, are hurts. like the modern day Cleveland Browns, pretty much, but just like just good enough to win enough to be like in the spotlight. So I I, I get it. I know exactly what it feels like. As soon as we started talking about the Redskins, just Case Keenum's face popped in my head, and I shuddered. <laughs> and, then, and then Maher had his team, you know. They, they, they got stolen from basically. They got robbed. Oh, I will never yeah, not be bitter about while we're that. Here too. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you guys should have heard him. He was he was not a not a happy camper for a long time. Hey, but since we're <laughs> so far off track anyway, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> did you see Sorry. all the floats and stuff they had at Mardi Gras? Like, basically 90% of the floats were just, like, blind ref jokes, and people were throwing, like, uh, flags off the floats. Oh, I didn't man. see it, but I heard about that. Some epic trolling. I heard about it on another podcast. Anyway, so sorry about that. Can please continue? Oh, we're, I, we're I just had, like, we can go fart. into tangents. It's all right. <laughs> tangents are fun. I live on so, tangents. Um, That's why they call me Mister that, that Geometry. I, I don't know which one that's from. I'm not good at math. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were that was geometry, but that was also a dad joke. Oh, five yard one. penalty for dad jokes. I I just sat there in silence in memory of you. See, while funny. while I've never sired a child, I uh, you know I donate sired. frequently. You know, sired. so that's fantastic. I, it, maybe it just oh. like you know just it, it kicked in somewhere. There's some like random maher running around with a full beard at the age of one, just you know making awkward jokes and too much eye contact. And just bouncing from home to home because people keep adopting him but sending him back because he's too much. Trouble. This one's broken. Yeah, what happened here? So uh, the first draft didn't go exactly as uh, Bell from the Eagles had predicted. You know, this was his plan, so you would think that naturally this would be a big game changer for him, but it wasn't. Um, the team selected Jay Burwanger, which was a running back <laughs> out of the University of Chicago. Burwanger. <laughs> yeah, Burwanger. Uh, he was a running back from the University of Chicago. And what happened with that is uh, when they went to go negotiate a contract with him, he was asking for $1,000 a game. Oh, man, that's going to break. Actually, that was a lot of money in that time. Yeah, and that was a lot of money because most of the players at the time were making 50 to to $100 a game. So this guy came in and was like, yeah, give me 1000 and I'll play. And Bell was like, hell no, we're not paying you that. So... <laughs> He, uh, he realized that a deal wasn't going to happen, and he called up George Hallis from the Bears, and they worked out a trade. So Hallis uh, met with Berwanger, discussed a contract with him, and they came to a deal of $25,000 a year, which was uh, crazy at the time. Uh, the two shook on the deal, but Berwanger then decided that he didn't actually want to play football at all, and he gave up his football career to go work at his uh, family's rubber factory. Um, did he get paid though? <laughs> That's the most. That is the most like stereotypical old timey story of the era <laughs> that you could possibly think of. Hey, I can he make all work this at the money. rubber factory. I can make all this money playing football, and I don't really have to do anything. <laughs> um, but God. I'm said I'm gonna go breathe in toxic fumes at the rubber factory. <laughs> Daddy always said I'd be great for the rubber factory. <laughs> It's so, such a ridiculous it's story. Oh my god! He was set to make more than like a whole team of players combined at the time, and he's like, "Nah, rubber's my game. That's my claim to fame." <laughs> the future is rubber. This guy went on to invent the latex condom. <laughs> instead of instead of wearing shoes, I'm gonna be part of what makes the shoes. Oh you see? man, we're terrible. That's so funny though. The rubber factory. That sounds so, so terrible. Weren't tires back then like all rubber though? Like literally just huge piles of rubber and like no air. Oh, not not by then. Well, to be not fair, then. I what, did. What year was this? 1936. Uh, I think they had air in them by then, didn't they? 
I'm not sure. I'm not a rubber I, historian. I'm no, yeah, I'm, I have not worked at a rubber factory, so I don't have the expertise or knowledge to, to you know, to give insights um, to the listeners here. Now, I will give him credit, and this is where it's hard to make fun of him, but uh, after he did that, uh, his that rubber company, like, I think in the 50s or the 60s, ended up being like a multi-million dollar company. So it was kind of the right decision, but it just is, it seems really weird that you would give up playing a kid's game for your whole life to go work, like you said, breathe in toxic fumes. Well, a rubber I factory. think it's just mentality because all these people had to work other jobs in the off season anyway this guy wouldn't have because he would have been a millionaire by like standards you know if you inflation because what people were living off hundred dollars a week back then so oh in the 30s i think no i think it's it's a little more than that a couple hundred dollars whatever they weren't making like all right like a minimum wage salary now would not be enough for you to have a comfortable life then i'm actually i'm checking that right now i'm actually just curious what the minimum wage was in uh so, while you're checking that, sure. I'll just say that it's something we, we talked about throughout this whole thing so far, but money and fame weren't guaranteed for these players. Football's not what it is today. So, there was a lot of factors that went into that decision. Uh, fun fact, uh, everybody, real quick. Didn't mean to cut you sure. off. Uh, the minimum wage, uh, as of October 24th, 1938, was $0.25. Cents. So, oh, wow, that 25000 looks real nice. Yep, yep. So... Well, now we need someone to do all the math and say, like, if you were to work 40 hours a week, what would 25 cents come out to in a year? Oh, well, I'm on it. Please continue, Andrew. All right. So the original owners of uh, the teams probably can't believe, wouldn't believe what the draft is now because when it first started these first couple of years, they all just met in a closed-door meeting and uh, and – basically just all hang out a bunch of old men talking about college players in one room and just picking them. It was like, it was like how we have our fantasy football league drafts at like a wings restaurant and stuff like that. Like it was mm. just a bunch of guys hanging out. Wait, we had our fantasy draft at a wings restaurant. Why wasn't yeah, I invited? You weren't invited. <laughs> was it like, was it like, but here's the question though. Is it themed of the TV show wings or did they sell Buffalo wings? Man, wild Both. reference there. I, I think that, Dude, I didn't even know people knew about that anymore. Both. I found the one restaurant that was themed after the show Wings, and we all traveled to it and had our draft, and no one told you it, about it. It just you looks like an out. airport lounge. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we just had it in airport lounge. So. Oh, okay. You, you you bought plane tickets, checked through security, <laughs> and then paid exactly. ridiculous fees to sit at a bar. And you got you got shit housed on twelve dollar beers. <laughs> well, we're not we're not idiots. We bought first class tickets so we could get in the nicer lounge. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that makes snap! So you were just surrounded by a bunch of Asians then, and, and very very wealthy, <laughs> very wealthy professionals yes. and Asian people. That's okay. Yeah, we had uh, George Clooney actually walked through and looked at us and said, "What the hell are y'all doing?" We're like, "Oh, we're not on your flight. We're just doing our fantasy draft." Just real doing quick. the fan without Maher. <laughs> yeah, without without one guy, don't tell don't tell Maher about this. Yeah, me and George Clooney oh, are tight. Um, you know, I actually was the one that fitted him didn't him for his nipple suit in his uh, the Batman movie. Ooh, I hand okay. I oh, hand I hand suit. measured that. Ooh. I, I bet you did. So uh, Wellington Mara actually uh, is the person that started revolutionizing the draft. Uh, that should sound familiar because the Mara families owned the Giants forever. And 
That's a lot uh, of generations would, then, I guess, because yeah, they're still Yeah, on no, it. they've had this, it's stayed in the family. Uh, he would actually subscribe to out-of-town newspapers, and he would himself would drive all over the country to try to find undiscovered talent for the Giants. That's pretty cool. So by 1939, he was in, he was in total control of the draft process for the Giants. Um, basically, they all turned to him to select the players because he was essentially the team's scout. And that was the start of uh, scouting in the NFL. Oh, wow. It's amazing how one thing leads to another thing and then leads to another thing. Like, and it's just very right. linear. Well, let's make it a little more linear because by 1945, uh, the Rams owner, Dan Reeves, actually hired, hired not, not hired, hired people to do the newspaper reading and driving all over the country for him. He wasn't going to do it himself, so he brought somebody in well, to do it. Well, that's not safe. Were they, like, supposed to read the newspaper and drive at the same time, or did he let them pull off to the side of the road? I'm going to start uh, checking no, off marks for how time. many dad jokes you drop in a single podcast. And I'm just gonna start posting it. Like I'll I'll be the statistician for this show, and then like I'll also keep that tally as well. And you can be like a Tony Reality was on a pardon the interruption back in the day, where where he would basically at the end of the show just go over all the stuff they screwed up on. I love that. That was that was pretty funny when they used to do that, and like they would especially when like one person was just super adamant on something. Yeah, he's like, you were totally wrong. What's the guy's name? He always had like the little blackboard behind him, and he always had different quotes of the day. He was one of the contestants. He was oh, on every single oh, time. that was on uh, the around the horn. Yeah, around the Woody, horn. Woody Page. Woody Page. Yeah, that dude's a buffoon. He, and he would just drop oh, all I, kinds sure. of stuff. I loved was him. Completely inaccurate. Oh, he was an idiot, yeah. but I loved him. Nonsensical he, nonsense. He was a character. <laughs> So uh, this Dan Reeves, like the the Rams owner, he actually hired uh, one of the former Packers running backs named Eddie Catal, or Kotal. I don't know, it's K-O-T-A-L, and we're going to go with Catal to be a scout. So uh, Catal became the first full-time professional football scout. Together, these two men put together championship rosters in the years 1945, 1940, or 1945, 1949, 1950, and 1951. And that showed the whole league that you have to have a scouting department to be successful. You have to have multiple people looking at these players to figure out who you need. Okay, now i got a question about this. What I'm really, really curious about is, you know, obviously we're talking about the, the development of recruiting in the NFL or what it will become the NFL. But, I mean, what was going on with Major League Baseball? Like, were they just randomly having people come off the street to play ball? I mean, because baseball at this point has been around for a, a minute, you know? So, yeah, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I'm pretty sure baseball was was a regional thing. Basically, they would just there was a bunch of you know smaller time leagues and stuff, and they would just pick up players regionally. Huh. And okay, that makes sense. Based on the team where you're at. That's pretty cool then. So the same year that the Rams were revolutionizing the scouting department, um, the Redskins were being the Redskins. They yes. that. That year, 1946, they selected Cal Rossi, running back from UCLA, with the ninth overall pick. Oh, that guy! Prob- he's a he's he's a real he was a real athlete. That guy. He was a real humdinger. <laughs> uh, the problem with that was that Rossi was a junior, therefore he was ineligible for the draft to begin with. That sounds very when they Redskins. Asked, 
when they asked to get the pick back to repick, they were told that they couldn't because they should have done their research, which is fair. no Indian giving. <laughs> yeah, no take oh, backs. Dad joke. That's check pretty, it off. Yeah, check. That's uh, he's running on two since I started the tally. Uh, that was so. a top notch one though. I'll give yeah, you that. That was one. good. That was good. I mean, I got a little chuckle out of it, you know. <clears throat> so the Redskins decided that they were going to stick to their their guns and the next year they drafted Cal Rossi again he's a senior so at least he's eligible but they probably should have talked to him before they drafted him because it turned out that he had absolutely no interest in playing football professionally and joined the wow. Navy so, <laughs> so so they did it twice and they probably yeah they got they lost two like top 10 picks two years in a row picking Cal Rossi and he didn't even want to play football to begin with that's probably why they had two Top ten picks two years in a row. Yeah, I can imagine that they were because of the history of that team. I, I'm assuming they were probably so stubborn that they're like everybody else has scouts, but we're never going to use them. Scouts are something we have to pay for, and we're not going to do it. So just pick Cal Rossi every year. I don't think it's that. I think the mass majority of people in any kind of professional career back then were just like chronically drunk. I always just, I just, yeah. I always just picture everyone just being wasted all the time just because of the way they behaved. Like you hear about like sexual harassment just being like a commonplace thing, and well, that's because women away without people. Landis. Women yeah, didn't I become mean, people till much later in time. Oh, well, the women's suffrage. Women's suffrage passed. has already happened by that point. Still, like they got to vote. It was, it was very different. Like women didn't really. You know, they didn't have real jobs in the workplace. They were all secretaries. I or... mean, you're technically you're technically right because it was after World War II that things really started to change, and that's like right in the middle of. Yeah, because so. well, they went into the workforce and never left. Uh, they, mm-hmm. You know, they they basically were like, "No, nah, I think we're good." You know what? This is fun, so we're gonna keep doing it. Like, I don't want to be yeah. at home with a brat. I just built bombs for you, fuckheads. Like, let me keep <laughs> a job. I cannot put down any more quaaludes for this family and sit at home <laughs> vacuuming. <laughs> for the love of God, let me stay out here. I'm tired of being high all the time. I fantasize about drowning all my children in a, in a you know bathtub at least seven times a day. The mailman died. Well, I don't even have anybody to, to take care of me anymore. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. So uh, in 1947, the owners decided to make a small change to the formula. And they added what they called a bonus pick. And the bonus pick was going to be added at the first round of the draft. And it was actually the first overall pick. And it would cycle from team to team. So instead of going worst to first, each team had a designated year that they would get the first overall pick. And then the second pick would go to the worst team. Well, that's not fair. That's called making things complicated that you didn't need to. But I'm assuming that a couple of owners probably got pissed that their team had never gotten to pick first overall. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this way so everybody gets a turn. That sounds like the freaking NBA lottery, which I think is BS that a decent team could end up getting like a top pick. I've always thought that's hilarious how they do that because it happens. Like it's happened yeah. before numerous times where they're like, are you kidding me? And that causes a ripple effect sometimes that makes it to where the like the worst team actually can't get a pick ahead of like the third or fourth pick too. So it's really weird how that works. Yep. All right. So the draft uh, stayed pretty much unchanged up until the uh, creation of the AFL in 1960. We talked. A- well, actually, we talked more about the USFL, not the AFL. So let me stop myself before I say that. Uh, the only change that happened in between 47 and 60 
is that uh, after the first cycle of that bonus pick had been concluded in 1958, everybody had got a turn to pick first. They decided that that was a stupid idea and scrapped it. And so they went back to the worst to first method. Okay. Don't think it's not broken, you know. Yeah, obviously, like I said, that that just, when you read it out loud, you can tell that that's a dumb idea. And when I was reading that, I was like, there's no way that that lasted very long. And it was like, nope, after every team got a chance, they're just like, ah, let's cut this out. Huh. Uh, so in 1960, with the AFL being formed, uh, LSU Heisman winning quarterback Billy Cannon was actually lured away from the Rams in favor of the Houston Oilers. I thought he was a uh, running back. You would know better than I would. I, I had quarterback, but let me see. Maybe I messed up. Because he played running back. Oh, he was a running yes. back. You're right. You're right. I typed that. That was my fault. Type of running back Billy Cannon was lured away from the Rams in favor of the Oilers. I hope they pay him in real money and not counterfeit. That's a joke that only certain people will get. Well, actually, we talked about him before because didn't you say he was at Angola? Yeah, he was a uh, dentist. Wild. And he spent. He was a dentist at Angola, and he l- stayed at Angola. So a uh, a court battle ensued because of the the him going to the Oilers, and it was ruled in favor of the Oilers because they wanted to avoid a countersuit that could have claimed that the NFL was a monopoly. Basically, if they ruled in favor of the NFL and said, no, he has to go to the Rams because he was drafted to the Rams, the AFL would have just countersued and said, well, then the NFL has a monopoly because you're not allowing us to get a fair chance at these players. Huh. Sounds like somebody just got really pissed off and became, like, super bitchy. Have you not noticed that most of this is just a bunch of super bitchy guys making the rules? Like, you got the Eagles guy making the draft. You got the ones that added in the, like, everybody gets a turn rule. You got this Billy Cathy. It's basically a bunch of whiny, whiny babies complaining about problems. So, Cannon led the Oilers to uh, the first three AFL championship games. So, he ended up being a pretty decent player for him. Uh, after that, though, the NFL learned their lesson, and so did the AFL, and signing players actually became like a covert operation. Both leagues' drafts were held on unannounced days. That way, the other league wouldn't know what day or wouldn't know when they're drafting to try to lure players away. They would just do it randomly. Uh, this sounds kind of weird and overly complicated. Like, they were, like, not meeting in real places. Like, they would just, like, show up at some dude's house and be like, how are we going to draft today? Like, doing the Mr. Burns, like, laugh. <laughs> we got to we gotta draft real quick and sign these players before the AFL even knows what and we're then, doing. And then, ironically, one time they do it, and they draft at the same exact time um, from their covert locations, and, you know, they end up picking the same people. It actually gets better. Um the teams would start babysitting and hiding players to keep them from going Holy to the other shit. leagues. They'd put them in hotels with like, like uh, one of the team officials. They'd yeah, they people. would kidnap the players. Yes, they would kidnap the players to hide them from the other league. The players. Uh, know it was that? even. Yeah, the tactic even got a name during that time, and it was called Operation Handhold. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> At least it wasn't Operation Penis Holding. 
Uh, you don't know that. <laughs> well, you don't know if the player what they do was really, doors. really good, and you really wanted to sign on your team. Maybe I'll it suck your dick, baby. If you can hold, please sign with me. <laughs> we got you this chip loses from up the from up the road, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this fight between the two leagues lasted until 1967. That year, they decided to to do a common draft. And basically, the AFL and NFL would do the same draft, or would be in the same draft, and they would just made it like a universal, universal thing. Wait, so even though they were still two separate leagues, that doesn't make any sense though, because then you could have a team in front of another team that doesn't even like interact with that team, picking players, like stealing players from people. Um, you know, so like it completely fucks over. Like if you're a shitty, no, yeah. You know, if you're a team that's far back in the draft, you can get so screwed over. No, no, but here's the deal. Like even beyond that, you could actually go to an owner or management of a uh, different league, and you know, let's say their draft pick is right before one of your, uh, you know, one of your like league rivals, and be like, hey, butcher him, like screw him up. He yeah. wants this player, <laughs> take him, and I'll pay you X money, and then trade him right back to me. Like, there's so many reasons that's not a good idea because they could literally just screw each other over by having someone from another league screw over them, you know, a team for them. It's a horrible idea. It definitely wasn't a good idea, but it did have one positive effect in that it was the first step to the league merger Consolidation. in 1970. Yeah. yeah, that's what led to them merging. It was the first start. It was the first time they saw that they might be better, stronger than separate. Well, they could have been so, separate but equal because that worked out well throughout history, right? That's three. <laughs> We're on. That's three right there. That one's counting. That's counting. It's more like a grandpa joke, really. Because uh, yeah. I don't know if that deserves a separate tally. Maybe it's like just a like a point five instead of a one tally. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm still working on my metrics here. Uh, that the 1960s was also a time of growing technology in the NFL. And drugs. Teams had a real is it what? And drugs. Well, yeah. Obviously. Do you think they that took into like them like when they were picking people up or like, I don't want to get that guy. That guy's a damn hippie. I don't know. I don't remember when Sunshine was drafted into the NFL, so I'm not sure. Well, he'll be you drafted gotta, you gotta in remember. two years. <laughs> you gotta remember though that uh I mean in baseball by this point, you know, every one of them was basically a, like a amphetamine junkie. They popped what's called greenies, which were basically just ruined. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally the entire league did it because they traveled yeah. so much and they didn't fly. They were on buses. Oh, like NASCAR. Hey. Well, and that lasted <laughs> – don't tell Denny Hamlin. Um, that actually lasted into the 80s because I remember I was watching a documentary about Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden from the Mets, and they were talking about how there would be basically just bowls with pills in them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I saw that same one. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Just in the players' lodge, in the locker rooms and stuff, just popping them. What happened in the 80s? They switched to Coke? No, they were still popping pills like like uh, amphetamines. Yeah. But Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry also liked Coke, which is part of the problem. Yeah, Strawberry had quite the career and a very interesting life. Dude, Doc Gooden missed the World Series parade because he was high and woke up late on somebody's couch. Yes. Yes, that that, that I mean, was a good that story. Is the, the just top of his career right there, and he missed it because he was high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. 
So teams uh, had the realization that computers were a great way to go for the draft because you could put in so much prospect data Wait, is this, and keep track of everything is this the um, 60s? better than just a handwritten scouting department. Yeah, I'm going to These explain. are the fucking full-room-sized computers. Uh, yes, you're correct. <laughs> the problem with that plan was that running computers at the time was incredibly expensive and there was not a single team that could afford it by themselves. You can't even, like, so, operate a computer without being, like, a fucking engineer. Like, you had to know code yeah, they would, to even freaking, like, type up a document. So let me tell you how that worked. Uh, there was an organization that was founded in 1963 called Letso. And Letso was the solution to this problem. It stood for the Lions, Eagles, Steelers talent organization. So these three teams teamed up and created their own uh, computer-ran scouting department. What could go wrong? Uh, actually, nothing. It was led by former <laughs> Steelers defensive back Jack Butler, and they compiled reports from dozens of scouts and assigned grades to the prospect. That was the first time they had like a grading system. The Bears ended up joining the organization as well, and so it, the group became known as Bletso. Just oh, like God. Drew. Hey, oh. he's still playing, right? <laughs> he's he's mm -hmm. like 700. He throws it to Michael Crabtree for the 49ers all the time. Ah. That's an inside joke that no one's going to get except for me and you, so I probably should have just kept it to myself. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'll just say it. Maher has, for the last like few years, thought Michael Crabtree was still on the 49ers for some reason. Well, now he's not on any wow. team because I saw that the other day. Oh, okay, you're caught up now. But what if uh, he goes back to the 49ers? I'm not gonna be able to handle myself. Yeah, I don't know what you're gonna do then. I'm gonna have to like, I'm gonna have to do a podcast just for you on the history of Michael Crabtree, well, so you can keep. He's up. gonna end up going to Texas Tech. I mean. Um, the Cardinals. With the, with the way he's played in the NFL, it would probably only take me like five minutes to explain it to you. Uh, so in 1977, Bledsoe and a similar service group called Quadra and the National... It was two different groups. Let me start over. There were three groups in 1977 that used computers to compile data. It was Bledsoe, Quadra, and the National. Quadra and sounds get, like a, like a evil organization from comic yeah, books. Yeah, it sounds like a yep, exactly. It sounds like Hydra from Marvel. Hail Quadra. Like, I, thought, Quadra. I thought that was from GI Joe's. You're right, it was. Well, yeah. didn't they have Hydra and Marvel um, too? I think Hydra is from uh from uh it's Captain definitely America. Captain America. Captain yeah. America, Captain America Hydra, or something. Then, yeah. Um what was no, the Cobra. Cobra was uh, GI Joe. Oh, That's yeah, right. you're right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Hydra has Marvel, Cobra, G.I. Joe. Good old Cobra. The more you know. So those three organizations together started creating uh, scouting combines. And in 1982, they each had their own scouting combine. But in 1982, they merged all of their combines together to save money on medical Would, would you say that they combined them? They didn't have to each pay doctors. They just combined. Yes, they combined them. They combined but them. Put that one on the record, Tyler. I got it. We're at four. So the combine was moved to Indianapolis in 1987. It's still held there today. Like right uh, now? Bledsoe and the National. Yeah, like it's still in Indianapolis. Like right, uh, last right week. now. It's well, it's over now, but yeah, last weekend. Uh, Bledsoe and the National Thank still you. run the combine today and serve on the NFL Draft Advisory Board. Now, Bledsoe's not necessarily connected to the Bears, Lions, Eagles, and Steelers. But it's um, 
it's its own organization now and it still still works very heavily with the uh, the, the combine and like I said, they do serve on the NFL Draft Advisory Board. The NFL Draft Advisory Board is the group that helps compile um, the information that lets underclassmen know if they should leave for the draft. So they're the ones that can tell you kind of where your stock is and if it's lucrative to, to leave or if you should stay another year. What happens when they tell someone they should leave and then, um, you know, they end up getting screwed over because they get in, involved in a murder case that they actually had no involvement in or, you know, they decide to smoke themselves out in a gas mask on Snapchat the day before, <laughs> that kind of stuff. What about, <laughs> what about they break their, like, they destroy their whole leg in the first game, Sam Bradford? <laughs> well, to be fair, Sam Bradford is 90% like screws and like other pieces at this point. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> or if you want to go even more recently with it, Jared Stidham should have left to go to the draft last year because he probably would have been a first-round pick, but he came back to a hollow shell of what Auburn used to be, and now people aren't sure if he should be in the second round or the sixth he round. He should be in the Ooh. seventh round or not at all. He's a piece of shit. Wow. I hope Jared Stidham Woo. listens to this. Yeah, I'm he, sure he, he does. doesn't. I'm, I bet he does. Uh, so as football grew more and more popular, the demand for year-round coverage uh, started growing. You know, it's such a short season, and people love it so much that you just don't get enough of it. And we talk about it all the time. That's why the uh, AAF is doing okay right now. It's because people just want more and more football. So if you can't actually have the game, what's better than having the offseason televised I've for you? I literally watched, like, every time I remember that there's an AAF game on, I literally watch it even though I have no stake in any team, even the team that I say I'm a quote-unquote fan of because, like, there's I want to see football, even if it's bad football. Commanders for life. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think I've even caught a game yet. I just watched the the reruns or the highlights. Um, I bleed maroon and red because those <laughs> two colors combined should hey. uh, definitely make sense. So does their league actually stream basically segue into the NFL? So is it just like the opposite of? So it's basically constant football now? Yeah, that's what they're – I mean, that's what they're trying to do is basically exp- extend it so people will be like, oh, the NFL's over. At least we got the AAF. And then we've got the XFL coming next year. I did see where um, the NFL is trying to talk to the AEF about sending um, quarterbacks to that league. So guys that are on NFL squads but are like the third or fourth string guys and sending them to the AEF to develop, trying to make it like Ooh, a quarterback development like a, league. Like a lease program? Yeah, like a quarterback development league. They're not Summer so concerned league. about the other positions, but they want uh, they do want quarterbacks to get more play time, which makes a lot of sense. Well, like in a lot of soccer leagues, you can lease a, a player to someone else for a certain amount of time, and then they can go right back. Wait, is that not yeah, what yeah. they were doing with Hackenberg, or were they just like, get out of here, you're a hack? Nah, they were just like, get out of here, you hack. Get out of here. Uh, but hey, that Louise or whatever that uh, that dude from Louise Perez. Yeah, he he um he might work himself into being on a practice squad. Or I, I actually think he will. That dude's got some serious talent, and the fact that he didn't even play football in high school just blows my mind. Damn millennials. <laughs> Uh, so in 1980, ESPN execs asked the NFL if they could televise the event. Uh, I think at the NFL kind of laughed at him at first because they're like, why would anybody want to watch this? It was still very similar 
to how it was in 1936 in the fact that it was just a bunch of old dudes hanging out in a hotel ballroom together and doing this draft. So when the ESPN approached them to, uh, to do this, they were like, yeah, that's dumb, but if you want to do it, we'll see how it goes, was basically the way that they, they, it said that it went. That was a really good description. You really did that well. <laughs> yeah, I kind of stumbled through that, but we'll move on. Uh, so in 1984, ESPN hired their first independent scout, a man that you probably have never heard of before. His name's like Mel Kuyper Jr. Wait, he got hired in 1934? What year are we in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1984, Mel Kuyper Jr. gets hired on by ESPN to be an independent scout for the Mel NFL. Mel Kuyper's an bastard. idiot. I just read his most recent mock draft, and it's stupid, and he should feel bad oh, about yeah, himself. Oh, yeah, it's wild. Like he literally gets uh, paid money. At least money. he doesn't have Tyree Jackson going in the second he round. He literally gets Hot paid take money over to accurate take, man. That's what makes you the money. That's all that matters now. People don't give a shit if it's accurate. They want to see something outlandish. And and you're right about that because from what I understand, the reason why Mel Kiper is so respected is that he used to like actually be good at his job, but nowadays I think he is trying to go for clicks, so he kind of. Uh, his his mock drafts are kind of dumb, hey, but he used to be really good at his job. He could have turned it into like him getting a GM job, you know. <laughs> yeah, I actually like him though. Uh, what's that guy's name? Mike. Uh... Oh, Mike Mayock, the guy that was on the NFL draft. He was actually good. I like him. Well, we'll see what he does with the uh, the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders. So the public. Um, after they hired Mel Kuyper, it gave the public an inside look at the process and how teams evaluated talent. And it also uh, gave them a lot more information than they had ever had before. Because even then, they, there wasn't a lot of information out to the public and how this actually worked. Uh, they also, during around that time, teams learned that the, late, uh, the later round players were better off as free agents. Because then you could go to any team that needs you instead of uh, instead of being drafted to a team that may not need you at that moment. And like, let's say you're a quarterback and you get selected in the sixth, the fiftieth round. I think the thing because there was a point where they had over fifty rounds. What were, that's a let's, lot of rounds. Like, did they were were they rebuilding their teams every year? I don't understand why you would need that many players. Did they not yeah, have free because what was happening is you're signing all these players and then they're just getting cut anyway. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense. You think what you're but established, wanted, though, you would have a better a better system than, you know, just picking people who you didn't even talk to beforehand that decide they want to, you know, hang out on a boat with a bunch of dudes for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's why. I mean, that's why it's only seven rounds now. That way, like I said, if you're a quarterback that gets selected to a team that already has four quarterbacks, you're never going to see the field. Whereas if you're a free agent and a couple of guys get hurt, then at least you have a shot to, to maybe play. Or you could be lucky and be on a team that has a bunch of quarterbacks and then somehow like be willing to like sell out your body and play every other position on the field. Or you could be on a team where all of your quarterbacks break their legs like week after week, and then you get a shot to play. <laughs> oh, man. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> hey, but I, um, I bet you the hot dog vendor for um, 
the Redskins was happy. He's like, I got to sell my hot dogs on the field now. I'm coming for you, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> hot dog, hot dog, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> hot dogs. I got it like extra dry, just like you like it. Uh, so the removing of rounds also led to a tighter and uh, – better tv product it was quicker there was more interest for every round people weren't tuning out after like the 20th running back was uh taken by the same team they had kind of you know it's a lot easier to watch wow this team picked like three running backs um that's weird because that was like their last three picks this doesn't make any sense yeah rounds 27 28 and 29 the giants picked running backs uh, this is that's also what led to mock drafts. They really didn't have mock drafts before that because it was just too much work. But when it was only seven rounds, it was much easier to well, create a full mock. What draft. was what was a mock draft back then? Was it essentially like ah, you picked that guy, you're an idiot, that kind of thing? Like just mock them whenever they made a pick. Yes, just write that one down, Tyler. We got got one. it. I already got it. Already put it down. <laughs> like, look at me. So, I'm the Giants. I'm picking another running back. Whoop de doo. Yes, they always walk up there and go, whoop de doo Well, you can't see what I'm doing with my arms right now, but it makes it more entertaining. Uh, yes, okay. we're, we're not on TV. Uh, the draft has never stopped uh, evolving. There's always been changes. In 1989, Jimmy Johnson, coach of the Cowboys. Oh, not the NASCAR completely, driver? No, not the NASCAR guy. He completely changed the game. He orchestrated one of the greatest trades of all time, the Great Train Robbery. Yep. Jimmy sent uh, Herschel Walker and some mid-round picks to the uh, to the Vikings for five veteran players and three fir- three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. That was a really good trade for the Cowboys. Yes, it was. <laughs> it, was uh, one of the, it was probably the biggest trade in history at the time. It was a very I like still, still, it's still the one of the trade. biggest trades in history. Yeah. I don't know what about that Ricky Williams trade. You know that the Saints did that. Uh, Ditka really, you know, he, he pulled the fast one there. Well, the sad one, the sad thing about that Saints one is they actually are the ones that orchestrated it. Like, the Vikings screwed, got screwed by agreeing to it, but the Saints screwed themselves. Yeah, I know. That's kind of why, like, I, I hate Ditka. Nobody hates Ditka. You take that back. I hate him. I hate him more than Will Smith hated him kicking and screaming. And then, but then they became buddies, so I don't know. Even though Mike Ditka was slightly racist in that movie. Uh, so, that was actually not that bad of a movie. I like that movie. I feel like we just talked about it. I hope it wasn't yeah, on we the did last the other podcast. Day. No, I don't think it was. I think it was off air. Uh, so, Jimmy taught the whole NFL, basically, that a group of young up-and-coming players is worth far more than one established superstar. That doesn't make sense. He also was a, uh, he was a brilliant talent scout, and he created a trade value chart. And he was the first person to do this as well. And what that did is it quantified the value of picks and players that you got in return. So he was one of the first people that basically graded his own trades or what the value of his trades were. So he made everything up and people took his word as meaning something? Basically, yeah, because that before that, trades were just kind of by the seat of your pants. Like you're like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm not going to worry about if I'm screwing myself over here. I'm just going to do it. Obviously, Dick had never heard of the trade value chart. Well, it was on a computer, and he didn't really yet know how to use those. He was still thinking it was, like, on the 60s computers that took up a whole room and, like, required, you know, being the richest country in the world to have a single one. 
Put the trade in your bippity boppity boot machine and see what happens. Then this comes out like one single piece of paper with one number on it. That's all you get out of it. <laughs> it just says yes, and he's yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. it works. But it's, it's like, like that old to compute. that old printer like paper that's just on one like giant reel. That, yep. That yeah, you have the to like the sides that like peel off. You yeah. Know? I Coach Dick of the printer jammed. I ah, screw it. We're getting Ricky. <laughs> Uh, so today, all 32 teams have their own version of a trade value chart that's unique to their situations, and it allows them to figure out the values of not only their own players, but the picks that they have. <laughs> Someone should uh, tell the Raiders about this. <laughs> <laughs> throw it out the way Gruden came in and threw it out the window. He threw that team out the window. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of which, did you just? I just got literally, an alert on my. I literally threw Derek. I Carr just got an alert on my phone. Did y'all see that uh, about the Steelers and the Raiders? And, what about them? Uh, that they have verbally agreed to a, a deal about a one certain Antonio Brown. Oh my god! <laughs> they traded Khalil Mack for Antonio Brown. <laughs> wow. It wow. makes sense. I mean, they were the only team to me that could actually afford him because of how many first-round picks they had. I so mean, it's it, not it like they sense. don't need like to use all those picks to like beef up their roster or to like actually have certain people at certain positions. He's like legit just wiping the slate clean with that entire team. He's trying to start all over, pretty much. Well, I mean, he you know he's got old coconut head behind him. Yeah, that's that guy's, that guy's outrageous, and so is his haircut. What kind of like sixty-year-old man has a haircut like that? It's, and he is honestly like, dyeing his hair too. That's the creepier part about it. He looks like a child with like this creepy Chucky haircut. It's so he's fucking worth wrong. So, so it's, much money, and I've seen like and, and there's literally like poor kids that do the same haircut because their parents don't have enough money to get them. I was gonna say it's it looks like his mom cut his hair for his whole life and just never stopped. I thought he cut his own hair. I thought that was the whole bit. Is no, I think he his... pays like hundred dollar haircuts or some. I'm sure no. he pay. I think he pays for that haircut and probably too much because he's rich and doesn't know how money works. Because that's usually how you become a billionaire. Well, no, because he, he inherited how... it, which means he's the worst type of rich person. Oh yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, so second to only to the Super Bowl, the draft's like one of the biggest events for the NFL. It's. Ever since they moved it to where it changes cities every year, kind of like a like an all-star game in most leagues, it's just gotten more and more popular. They now have, like, you know, um, convention centers with memorabilia in it. It's, it's a whole thing. It's very similar to the Super Bowl in that it becomes like it takes over a whole part of a city. Uh, uh, wow, fun note about him, just real quick. Um, sure. Mark Davis drives a minivan and uses a 2003 Nokia phone. Okay, I just uh, want to, th- to throw that quick fact in because I find that hilarious. Well, that probably uh, <laughs> requires a lot of money because I don't even know if those phones work with the current <laughs> networks. Like we're like we're about retrofit the service we're onto like 5G, these bricks, and he's using a goddamn oh. Nokia phone that you could sink a freaking battleship with if you just throw it at it. Unfortunately, one of us is a lot closer to being Mark Davis than anybody else. So let's let's all just not forget about that. <laughs> What you minivan? Park. Oh, because you have a minivan. But it's you know, Don't knock it till you try it. It's a well, you're you have like a shitty minivan. I've seen way cooler minivans. Hey, 
Your minivan. Hey, don't talk shit is, about the man's your, minivan. Your, don't talk your, bad about my your baby. Your minivan is about two feet and blacked out windows away from being a right van. I wasn't even aware that you had a minivan. So I'll, this I'll is, send you a picture. Is this breaking news for you? This is a, this is breaking news, and I love it. I love everything about it. It, it basically looks like a smaller it's, version. It's my favorite of, car I've ever had. It basically looks like a smaller version of the Ford, uh, like. Uh, Work van essentially. It's a very nice car. It's got high headroom. It's tacky, and, and I, I hate it. you. Oh, <laughs> oh. So, this is uh, this is just falling apart at the seams right now. Just like <laughs> so just like Andrew's life and his football fandom. Oh, oh, that was mean. So, uh, with the the way that the internet has become with social media and everything. The casual fans uh, basically can become talent scouts at this point. That's why we always have arguments about who we think should be drafted here or there. Because like you said earlier in the, the show, there's so much information out there online that literally anyone can look at, at players and grade them and put say where they think they should go. Which isn't breaking news here, but it's just it just shows you how much it's changed since 1936. I think it puts a lot of stress on the players too. I mean, you're coming into a draft and there's you're just a hundred percent transparent. Like they look after, look at for your entire life what you've done, well, where you screwed up. The, when they pull tweets that you made when you were like seventeen, or like yep. or like a kid, like what they did with um, Josh. I'm not a racist, Allen. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Not to mention they hype. You know, if you overhype all these, you know top tier players and they get in and they don't perform to some outrageous level all of a sudden they're a bust you know and so all day long these guys are having to see this on twitter and on facebook on social media like this non-stop shit talk and it's got to mess with their psyche they got footage of these kids now all the way from like pop warner it's like everything's digital now it's ridiculous it goes way past just the talent level of the player too because you have people like kyler murray now where some people are saying he has a terrible attitude and you he, he's a bad leader yes you me. uh compared to other people that are like no he's just a more quiet subdued leader that's Derek. you know so the arguments aren't just about talent anymore they're actually about the character of the player oh. for better or worse but you can't help but do that because of how much information to, there to be is. fair to be fair, fair. Kyler murray is a frankenstein monster where someone sewed a toddler head on a human an adult-sized human body uh, so adult-sized human body. Well, a short, a short adult size. Maybe like somebody who was maybe like their dad was a dwarf and their mom was like a a, a full-sized human, or the reverse of that. Hey, we're not we're I'm not going to get into to to Frankenstein bodies, short racism. I yeah. don't know what I was going to say. There. I don't know where. Yeah, or people with going. toddler heads. So anyway, that concludes uh, the history of the draft, but. I did want to share some of the best draft stories that I found as I was researching this. Um, so these are just going to be some nice little fun stories from the NFL draft that we can cover. I got a couple of them for you here. The first one we're going to start with uh, deals with the Falcons. Fuck the Falcons. In round 17 of the 1972 draft, Falcons coach Norm Van Brocklin stood up in the middle of the draft and yelled, do we want the roughest, toughest SOB in the draft? The room got real excited and everybody screamed yes. So Van Brocklin called the uh, the, the NFL and told them that the Falcons were selecting John Wayne of Fort Apache State. 
And it's yes, it's that John Wayne. The Duke? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Or John Wayne Bobbit. Nah. No, no, the 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 Duke. But like why though? But that's a waste <laughs> well, of a pick. That sounds why? like a Falcons move. And why would they want manly guys? Their quarterback they have now as a picture of him on the internet wearing a goddamn bra. He's a fucking Nancy boy. Hold on. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of that does. either. So this goes this is what that's one of the reasons why they shortened the draft to seven rounds, because as you got into the later rounds, they were pointless. So John Wayne actually played quarterback when he was in college for a UFC or USC, I'm sorry, USC. And uh, that was when he was still going by the name Marion Morrison, his actual birth name. Wow, that's a real boy named Sue situation. Uh, so basically the Falcons selected a 64-year-old quarterback. Yes. And Fort Apache State, the college that they said he was from, was just a nod to the famous John Wayne movie Fort Apache. Well, hey, I have a, I have a movie idea. What if you get a 64-year-old John Wayne in – to be the quarterback, and you make a movie called The Throwist. Uh, we, what are we at, five or six? That counts <laughs> yeah, that's, at least that's two. Going that was yeah. so awful. It would be funny. That I was, mean, maybe he just doesn't. That was know, like die. a five on the Richter That scale. one hurt me he, a little he, bit inside. Well, whatever. I thought it was clever. <laughs> you know, The Shootist is a good movie, but it was old uh, John the Wayne. The Shootist is a good movie, but The Throwist is a Woo! ridiculous modern <laughs> So uh, Pete Rozelle, who was the commissioner at the time, uh, disallowed the pick. So the Falcons were not able to draft their geriatric quarterback. Yes. What if? What if he didn't actually like? He just walked on the football field and just started shooting people. Hey there, Pilgrim! I'm gonna throw the ball, Pilgrims. Oh man. Family guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on to the next one. In 1971. Legendary Redskins coach and general manager George Allen traded the 1973 first-round pick to the Jets. Not that important by itself until you learn that he also traded that same exact pick to the Rams. Uh, can um, I, Once he can figured I ask you a question? How did, yeah. how, how, how did that die work there, boss? Well, it actually worked very well because nobody picked up on it, so he turned around and did the same thing with the second and third round picks from that year as well. So he traded the second round, 1973 second round pick twice, and he traded the 1973 third round pick twice. Man, this is why Uh, Excel spreadsheets are really great now. Yeah, no one noticed. After he did it six times, they didn't even notice. Uh, But what happens the the next year, like... Well, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'm going to tell you. I hope. Uh, so, yeah, the story doesn't end there. So that actually gave the Redskins four players that helped them reach the playoffs for the first time in uh, two decades. And Roselle didn't notice that he did this until 1972. So the Redskins ended up being fined $5,000 and were forced to make, restitu- or forced to make a restitution and that included them giving the Jets their 1974, uh, 1974 first-round pick. <laughs> when, the, when the media asked Pete Rozelle what was going on there, he said that the actions were unintentional in nature, and that was just kind of a little sly remark, a little joke about it. So he had a sense of humor it about the whole thing. sounds pretty intentional. They still, uh, they still kind of cheated the system. Hey, this is the, first, t- this the first time the Redskins have been forced to give reparations. <laughs> That's number seven uh, for counting the ice for two. But that was funny. I'll give you that one. That was somewhat. That was that was better. We're, we're back. Spicy. Did he cry? You know they had a 
real trill of tears. Oh, oh God. God. Stop. The, the viewership's going down by the joke. <laughs> it's, that, was, that was pretty good. And then this is my favorite story, and it's going to lead into an episode I want to do later, but this one's this one's fun. Well, every time you say you're going to do an episode, you don't do it. Like, I don't know anything well, about that Raiders I, band. I have them written you, down. You, I have them written down. The Raiders we'll band, you know, he robbed 24 banks. That's got to be some good <laughs> good news. Yeah, we do need to get to the Raiders Bandit. Uh, so, in 1982, Tampa Bay was on the clock for their first round pick, and they were running out of time. They had 15 minutes to make the pick, and they were getting close to the deadline. With uh, very little time left, the card with the name of their selection was ha- uh, handed to Pete Rozelle and re- read live at the draft. The problem was that the wrong name was actually on that card. Uh oh. So that begs the question, how did Tampa Bay draft the wrong guy? Because they're stupid? Yes. Team representative Pat uh, uh, Marchulio was told to write down the names of Sean Farrell, who was a Penn State O-lineman, and Booker Reese, a pass rusher from Bethune-Cookman. Is it Bethune-Cookman? Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman. There we go. I don't know if that's right. We're going with it. Bethune. So... Basically, they had narrowed it down to two guys, and they just couldn't figure out which one they wanted to draft. The call on who they actually wanted did not get to uh, Pat until the 14th of 15 minutes. And so here's what happened. Team executive Ken Harak, uh, this is actually a quote from him explaining what went down. Uh, we thought we needed both of those players, but after we molded over and discussed it, the selection was to go with Booker Reese. So I told Pat, I said, listen, Pat, you've got two names there. I said, we're not going with Sean Farrell. We're going with Booker Reese. Turn it in. But he didn't hear the Booker Reese part of it because of all the noise in the room. He took it as we were going to draft Sean Farrell and turned it in. Uh, First of all, that's a stupid way to tell somebody that you're going to draft instead of just going, hey, let's take Booker Reese. He's like, we're not taking Sean Farrell. Yeah, but I we're gonna take. Yeah, it's it's the exact really, opposite way of how you should do something. Yeah, like that. that's like going to McDonald's and then be like, "Do you want fries with that?" And you say, "No, I don't want fries with that because I'm going with no fries." <laughs> or I don't want uh, fries because I'm going to McFlurry. Oh, the machine's down. Oh, never mind. Always down, McFlurry. Always, always down. Always. There's an app for that actually. There's an app that shows you. Uh, which McDonald's ice cream machines are down? It's cool. just always red. Yeah, that's like, there's not even any like API data or anything. It's just like just always out for every one yeah. of them. It's just no, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, they're not even trying to collect data. They're just we're just, just assuming. It. It's a they gut just, instinct. They, you know, speaking of that, McDonald's need a need, or needs a is the McRib McRib back, um, and then it could just always be like no. And like you, you remember the big, the McRib is better than it is, and then you buy Except it for two and weeks it's terrible. In November. Huh? It's usually back in November. Oh, I didn't know. I always forget that. It's based like, on the every price time I of have it, though. Bellies. It's like wildly disappointing, but then I always crave one each year. Because you know, there's some kind of chemical in that shit. There's got to be. I had one. Like, um, I had one a couple years ago, or maybe last year. It was it was terrible. They're not good. Uh, they're but they're like unique. 
Well, because it's like it's they took ground pork and pushed it into the shape of pressed it into the shape of a cartoon style rib rack. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the Flintstones. Yes, yeah, actually. Uh, so when the Buccaneers realized that they had made that mistake, they asked the uh, league if they could get a redo on the pick, and they're like, "Can we get Bucarese? Because that's who we were going to go with," and that was declined. As you can see, that's been a problem for. Uh, Several drafts that you don't get redos if you screw up. Well, don't screw and, uh, up. And then that actually is part of the reason why Tampa Bay was so bad for like two decades. And it's it's a lot of information, but it actually brought the downfall of the Buccaneers. Well, I mean, they've been bad for a, in recent memory too. Or unless you're saying it never – like they've been bad since then. Yeah, well, they've – I mean, they did win a Super Bowl in there. That's true. Uh, hold on, hold on a second. I gotta open the door. You only have to be good one time to win a Super Bowl, though, or you can be really good two years in a row and then not make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but I wouldn't know of a certain team that's had to deal with two heartbreaking Sorry. losses in the playoffs two years in a row. Oh my God! I totally forgot about the one with the Vikings. That was a legit loss, though. This year was just no, the but that had to be like just a gut wrenching, so, tragic thing to watch, though, because that was such a lazy ass play. But it was like, it was bad, but it was at least like an earned loss as opposed to having a ref be like, I, uh, I saw that this was not, you know, it was a penalty, and I'm just not gonna call that because I got paid to not call it because I'm from California because all the refs were from California except for like one guy who was on the other side of the field. That was a terrible Super Bowl I this year. I can tell that you're still bitter about that. I'm always going to be bitter about it. Wow. They fucking saw. I don't know how they I didn't. see he said the blind man as he picked up his hammer and bashed Roger Goodell's brains in, that piece of shit. <laughs> wow. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and finish this I'm just episode, kidding. Right? I, I'm, I'm not bitter about it, I'm but I do really hope that Roger Goodell just eats shits and die. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the last two things I wanted to share with you. These are just two little fun facts to end it off with. Is one of them that Roger Goodell's a clown? No, everybody knows that, so it's not it's really common a knowledge. Fact. So Barry Sanders was the first underclassman drafted in the NFL. I Before that, it was only seniors only. That. that seems like a rule that was made and specifically I for a single person. Well, it, the reason why was because in 1989, Oklahoma State was uh, about to go on probation. And they weren't again, their games weren't going to count for anything, so the NFL allowed Sanders to enter the draft because he was such a generational talent. Did they not have like the transfer portal that like literally it's just become free agency for college? Yeah, not at that time. And then the next year they just decided to allow juniors to become eligible, so that's when the draft became juniors and seniors. I mean, that's really a smart move. I don't think you could go like to freshmen. With with college football, but juniors is a good is a good level. Yeah, I mean, there's some argument to like if sophomores should start being allowed in now, but really for development purposes, you need a couple of years in the in college. Yeah, they might change their tune though once they start to learn more and more about these uh, these brain injuries and this you know the the, the long term effects. They might be like, just get them in and out as fast as possible. Well, you know what's just get actually- them in here while. What I think is actually going to change that is the fact that players are now sitting out of bowl games to avoid injury before the draft. I yeah. hate that so yeah. much. 
I get it though. I mean, that, that's that's your future. Oh, I mean, your I get financial it. Financial gain because and that's the, your that's your call. The games I mean, don't it, matter. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I'm it's like, like the national championship or a playoff game. I mean, what's the point? Yeah, it's like the, it's like the Pro Bowl. I mean, yeah. it's just a game that they play, but no, if it's not, if your team's not involved and it's not the national title, who cares? It's so stupid. Long hair, don't care. Yep. And then the last one I wanted to share with you, I didn't know this, and this is, that's why I wanted to share it, but in You know nothing, Andrew Horn. <laughs> in 2011, the Patriots and Eagles swapped the 193rd and the 194th picks. Um, most people at the time wondered why they would do that because there was nothing else added to it. It was literally just a consecutive pick swap. And the reason why they made that trade was that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick had made a draft uh, trade in every year since the year 2000, and they wanted to keep that streak alive, so they just did a pointless draft, uh, a pointless trade to make it 11 years in a row where they, they made, a, made a deal. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Uh, That's cool. They that actually they haven't made a deal since Reed went to the Chiefs. So this was only when Andy Reed was with the Eagles. Was were they playing? Let's make a deal. That's what are we on? Like twelve, thirteen? Uh, I, I don't even know. That's the end of the show. So he's run out of time. So final numbers. We'll say like thirteen. I'm gonna go with thirteen. Right, Lucky 13. number thirteen. Fourteen. So anyway, that concludes our draft special. Uh, you guys got? Any oh, more what's thoughts? the draft special? Is there Shiner or you know Guinness? That was after the deadline, so I don't think we should count it. We oh wait, no, no wait. You're going like old school NFL rules? No takesy backsies. No takesy backsies. No takesy backsies. All right. Well, you guys got anything to finish up on? No, just your you chest. Have me. It was fun. Hopefully, uh, we can do it again. All right. Well, subscribe, leave reviews, check the old Twitter machine, email us. There's ways to find us. Let us know. What Fax you us. Find your supercomputer that's in a, like a two-story house. Get your that... scouting department together and compile data on us, and let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week. But we don't see anybody. We just. It's a podcast. You know what? I'm counting the last two. That's 15. All right. Cool. So do I press... uh, Just uh, stop it. That's what she said. (laughs)